Hello and welcome to part 10 of the 007 Countdown from Some Like It Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by the Countdown crew, Scott Shelton and Jay Habib. Today on the podcast, we bid adieu to Bond, James Bond, with our final movie in the Countdown, 2015's Spectre. But first, how are you guys doing? I'm okay, Scott. Um, I What's going on? There's a flash flood warning, so I'm, I'm nice and tucked into my apartment. Will not yeah, be- it, is, it is absolutely apocalyptic over here on the west side. It just looks terrible outside. Yeah, east side doesn't look like it's faring much better either. But sunny tomorrow, so at least there's that. Yeah. Yeah, I had some bad weather over here this afternoon. Of course, the time when it was raining the hardest was right when I was going to leave work. Uh, and I had my laptop with me, and I did not have a sleeve or bag or anything for my laptop. So I had to sprint to my car with my laptop exposed. But uh, it survived. I'm using it right now. Fingers crossed. Say, here. It's not going to like explode or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's uh, right. you know it's pretty crazy over here on on the west side, as I was saying. But it's been a good day. I went to the U.S. Open today, which was a lot of fun. I will say. And really thought we were just going to be rained out completely. And it didn't really actually start raining until like five, six, which was pretty great. Um, and also New York Film Festival went on sale for me today. Back row of Dune. <laughs> back back corner. But I'm seeing it, baby. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But you're watching Dune. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like the line from Frances Ha where she's like, movies are so expensive. And... Uh, Michael Zegan's character is like, yeah, but you're at the movies. Yeah, but you're seeing Dune. Uh, but yeah, so I look forward to to Scott's early review of that. But um, let's talk about our present reviews of uh, our movie tonight, which is Spectre, the most recent entry in the James Bond series. Directed by Skyfall's Sam Mendes, Sp- Spectre opens with Bond following up on one of M's last wishes to foil a bombing plot in Mexico City. Bond is successful, but guess what? The mission was unauthorized, and the new M, played by Ray Fiennes, is not amused by Bond inciting an international incident, especially because MI5 head C, played by Andrew Scott, is putting the pressure on MI6 to disband what he sees as the outdated 00 program. Nevertheless, Bond forages on, following a clue left from the Mexico City bomber to Rome, where he encounters terrorist Franz Oberhauser, played by Christoph Waltz, a man with mysterious ties to Bond who seems to be the mastermind of, you'll never guess it, but it's a secret organization of businessmen with links to criminal and terrorist activities. Set on a collision course with Oberhauser, Bond is determined to get some closure for his last few missions, even if it means once again confronting ghosts of his past. Jay, we'll start with you. Does Spectre provide enough thrills and intrigue to whet your appetite for the upcoming No Time to Die? Or does this latest entry in the series stop the forward momentum from Skyfall and leave the future of the Bond franchise with a question mark over it? Well, Scott, I've talked about how the first three Bond movies have like flipped between like not your daddy's Bond and then it was your daddy's Bond and then it wasn't your daddy's Bond. And this one started off like pretty good like maybe the first hour or so and then just absolutely collapsed for me like it collapsed like a building during the day of the dead uh celebration (laughs) that james bond is there to like wreak havoc on oh that was that's just it was really disappointing to like end on that note like obviously we have no time to die but 
you're also being so negative offline about it that I'm not super excited about that either. Scott um, Harvey doesn't know a single I'm negative thing about the runtime runtime runtime. other than the runtime. And that Rami Malek uh, is... And, is, and Rami Malek, that is true. Say, that, is, that is what he's complaining about. But let's talk about Spectre real quick. I just you, that, Your question was, am I excited for No Time to Die after watching this? And the answer is no, both because of this movie and because of your offline remarks. I mean... I'm it, sorry it, for poisoning it, the well. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, it had so much potential. I feel like this, like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to pinpoint where the movie went wrong for me. I think honestly, just if you're going to set up like a biggest bad, it feels so lazy to just kind of throw him in at the end like this. We also joked about this like last week on the podcast. I couldn't believe you guys kept a straight face when I was like, oh, if like Silva happened to be like Bond's long lost brother, then fighting at Skyfall would make sense. But like having the villain be his long lost brother would be insane. And like, here we are. Um, Yeah, just kind of like, you know, lazily lumping in all the antagonists into this you know, or like into what, into Spectre and just being like, oh, I planned this whole thing. Or like, I'm the architect of all your pain. Like, you know, just for so many reasons, like that is just infuriating, lazy, doesn't work. Um, This movie also just like, feels like is a step in the wrong direction with its Bond girls. Like it, across the board just felt very like, you're losing me. Wait, what's happening? How did Bond survive like three needles to the head, two of which were supposed to do like super serious brain damage and just, you know, walk away with Walks like a one-liner? Like, yeah. oh, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I, I was honestly waiting to see like if there would just be like a delayed effect like after like 10 minutes or something. Like maybe, like anything. Nah, it's just, he, was, he was fine. And That would have been cool. All of a sudden he's like about to pull the trigger or something to kill Blowfield, and it's just like his brain just freaks out all of a sudden but no no and and you know i mean we'll get into all that stuff i just mentioned but in short you know nah like that it just missed for me and that that's unfortunate because you know this is the the last movie in the in the countdown um obviously you know no time to die has the chance to finish on a high note we'll see if it does yeah look i I expect that i will be the serial bond defender on this episode or at least craig bond defender um, after my very, I don't know, stalwart defense of Quantum of Solace, relatively speaking. I didn't really go to the mat necessarily for it, but I think I tried to put up, point out more of its, of the things that I actually on a rewatch thought were more interesting and more um, nuanced than, than maybe an initial watch or a superficial glance might have given it. I don't know if, at the end of the day, I disagree too much with like what Jay has said. I think that I mean, the opening scene is probably one of the best in the series, frankly. I think Mexico City is amazing in terms of its action. I mean, we talk all the time on the main podcast about how incredible it is that Tom Cruise learned to fly a helicopter for Mission Impossible Fallout and did stunts from a helicopter. And I'm not saying Daniel Craig did that for this movie, but he's doing similar type action, like big action movie energy stuff in this opening scene. And Sam Mendes has the vision to, I think, really to Scott to steal something that you used last time, make it feel extremely cinematic. Like you're really watching a movie and the first, definitely the first scene. I think that carries over all the way through pretty much when you meet Leia Sadu's character. And then it, I think that is the point that I would, you know, s- stick a stake in the ground and say, this is, this is where the edge of the cliff is and it drives off after that. But I do think that, I guess to to call it a movie of two halves feels pretty comfortable 
and easy to do because I think the first movie is is just trying to be an action spy movie. Don't think about the plot too much, which we've said a lot on this countdown, which I think is fine. The action's amazing. Hoyt von Hoytema, you know, at this point, Christopher Nolan's go-to cinematographer doing the cinematography on this. You know, I'm not going to say he's as good as Roger Deakins, but he is in the top class of cinematographers for the types of, I think, cinema that Sam Mendes is trying to create here with Spectre and, and with other types of movies that he's doing. And I think that the first half of this film delivers on a lot of what I think Skyfall delivered on and promised in the action spy department. The problem is, is that where Skyfall, I think, excelled also is the emotional through lines for the entire Craig sort of bond cycle, if you want to call it that, man, it's just so boring in the second half. I mean, dear Lord, I do not know how they made this story so awful in the second half. Like Christoph Waltz, incredible actor in many other things. He is atrocious in this movie. He is so boring. The character is dumb. The writing is awful. Makes no sense what's going on in this film in the second half. And it does not make up for it with this sort of the, the end set pieces. I mean, like they're riding on a train, which like to me was like kind of exciting, but like the whole fight with Dave Bautista was just like, whatever, like everything in the second half of this movie is just whatever at best and actively boring and bad at worst. And the final set piece running through the sort of dilapidated MI6 building that had been blown up in Skyfall just boring. It's just boring. It's just a boring set piece. Um, so disappointed in that respect. And it and it's crazy. And I try to put it in perspective because I do think the first half of this movie is so good. I really do believe that. Like everything up to Bond flying the plane in Switzerland, basically, is I think a really cool scene. And then like everything after that, going to Lamarican and is it Morocco, wherever the hell they are, going out into the desert escaping the desert just, uh, just boring boring stuff yeah i will say the train scene the one moment that i like is when they're sitting there and you see dave bautista approaching in like the, yeah, in the silver in the thing the that covers whatever. The, yeah yeah that was very old, old yeah yeah <laughs> um that was cool but uh yeah i mean okay so a couple of fun facts about this movie um when yeah. i was studying abroad in the uk um I was out one night with my friends. I forget exactly what we were doing, but we were walking back to our hotel and we had to walk past the British Museum when we went back to our hotel. And there was all these people milled about and we were like, what in the world's going on here? And so we went up and asked somebody right at the gate and they were like, oh, the Spectre after party is about to happen. They've had the premiere oh. tonight in London uh, and the after party's uh, about to happen. So we're like, oh, hey, we'll just wait around here and like see, see uh, you know, who we can see. Pops out. Now, I think yeah. most most of the people, most of the the big people just like drove through um, the front gate. So we didn't get a good look at them. But uh, the two people who walked past us were um, Martin Freeman, who, of course, uh, is Bilbo and the Hobbit movies and uh, Watson and Sherlock and uh, Sherlock and uh, David Bradley, who plays Filch, I believe. But anyway, that was that was our celebrity encounter. So that was kind of fun. That is, um, that, that's and cool. then, and then, yeah, and then I did go see the movie like a week later, 
And maybe it was just because I was in London and I was like, oh, everything's awesome. You know, I'm seeing a James Bond movie in London. This is cool because I didn't hate the movie at the time. Uh, but watch this last night for the second time. Movie's bad. Movie's real bad. Um, and, you know, y'all are saying that the first half, it falls off after that. I think it falls off after the first scene. I'm going to be honest with you. I think <laughs> the first you know, scene is good. M's message from the dead was like, Judy Dench's M's message from the dead wasn't like super intriguing. Not really, because right, like almost right after that scene, we then have freaking, again, he goes to, to the new M, and it's like the same scene you've seen in 47 movies where M is like, you, you, I can't believe you've caused an international incident. You know, do you know what you've done for, uh, you know, for to hurt MI6's profile, whatever, you know, you did this unauthorized or whatever. And then you're like, huh, I wonder if perhaps he's going to have to go do this mission under the radar now. And, um, you know, the last time we saw the support Royale, though, without the support of MI6 and maybe Q, who knows, maybe Q will still help him. Uh, that would be interesting if that happened. Um yeah, uh, so from that point on, it starts feeling tired. And that's the word that I would use to describe this whole movie. It's lazy. This feels like the F9 of the Bond franchise. Uh, because, not just because there's an arbitrary, oh, hey, this guy is a family member of of, uh, of James Bond. But also because of the whole conceit of the plot. Again, it is so lazy. Like Jay was pointing out, it's like, oh, hey, remember how in these other movies, like the big bads have all been like these kind of, businessmen types part of these shadowy organizations what if all of these shadowy small organizations were part of a bigger organization and there was a big bad at the heart of that it's just so lazy right it's just is so that, is that what like, it is though see see that's my big question is that is the plot conceit that quantum is a part of this larger organization called specter or is it I just so. or is the conceit that forget that we called it quantum it's now just called specter I think that's actually what it is because it's they didn't dumb have the, way. they didn't have the rights to the to the name Spectre in 2008 whenever they made Quantum of Solace because it was tied up in litigation with the like I don't know the screenwriter on Thunderball or something like that something really weird and they got the rights back in like 2010 2011 something like that and I think that they just retconned it being called Quantum and changed it to Spectre because I actually don't think that it's super lazy to have a conceit like that. I think the dialogue is awful when you're when you get to like, you know, Blofeld or whatever the hell his name is in this movie, Oberhauer, saying I'm like the architect of all your pain. Just like saying like you've been a thorn, like something still generic but less bad than than actually I was behind it the whole time, and just say like you've been a pain in my side <laughs> for a bunch of years or something like that. Right. Like something more interesting. I, I don't know if like there being a big, big bad is lazy. I just think that the way that they did it was bad. That's just my take. Well, I do think it's lazy. And again, because it's just like, it's a bond trope. Like, you know, when I, when we reviewed F9, I, I talked about, I was like, it feels like when they run out of ideas in the fast and furious franchise, their idea is just to, uh, to have a family member, right? To introduce a new family member into the equation. Mm. Well, the Bond version of that feels like what I'm saying here. It's like, oh, what if we just like, who's going to be the villain in this movie? Oh, hey, what if it's just like an organization with an acronym and there's some sort of businessman at the heart of that? That's just, 
it's it's so played out it feels like at this point and everything about this movie just feels played out because there's just there's no heart in it uh, again like even quantum of solace right like there's a through line through all of these movies like through starting with casino royale that's the first time we've really seen this in the bond franchise how serialized like these last few movies have been and it's like oh we're kind of building up to specter again here's the big organization and all of these previous bad guys are you know sort of the puppets of blofeld and the the payoff is just nothing it's it's absolutely nothing it just fizzles out like Scott was saying, there's no emotional stakes whatsoever. Like there have been, even, again, even in Quantum of Solace, um, everyone just seems bored. Not just Christoph Waltz. Daniel Craig seems very bored to me. Like I think that the actors are really just sleepwalking through this movie. And it feels to me like, you know, and there was talk about this at the time, like, oh, this is going to be Craig's last movie. Like I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know that at the time that we knew there was going to be another one. Like I think a lot of people thought that Spectre was going to be the last movie. And it kind of feels like that, right? It kind of feels like this is going to be the sign off. Craig is kind of done with playing Bond. Um, we're going to bring Blofeld in just because, you know, this this whole set of movies has kind of been about rebooting Bond and introducing some of the classic characters and tropes and stuff in a new setting in a fresh new way. So, you know, we got to bring back, you know, one of the most famous bond big bads, which is Blofeld. Um, and again, it's, it's not done well. Um, some of the dialogue is really bad. I love, I mean, Andrew Scott's character is, is a farce to me, like C um, he has, he says like the thing about like M stands I guess M must stand for moron. I was like, for real? Like, that's what we're going with? That, that, somebody took a like, look at that line in the script and was like, yeah, this seems okay to me. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, it's, it's bad. Um, I was not expecting to hate this movie as much as I did, but, um, I can't find that much to recommend about it if we're being honest. Like I said, it just feels like a soulless exercise overall. And, I mean, I think it's technically strange. the movie's really well made. I mean, I think cinematography, score, sure, sure. design. But, I mean, you take taking things to, say, to recommend about it. I mean, like, th those are the things. It's technically really well made. But it, it is, but I, I don't even see those as things like to recommend about it because the movie's so boring that I'm just like not even paying attention to that stuff, really. It's like, here's okay. another nice action scene. I will say there are some weird visuals. I sent you all the photo last night of that one scene where they're in like Blofeld's headquarters or whatever, it freaking looks green screened AF in the background of this with all these like people on their computers. And I, I don't know, it's, it just, it was a weird scene. I mean, I think mostly the technical stuff is fine, but it's just, it's solely a technical exercise and that just doesn't get anywhere for me really usually. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's weird like that we have chosen. I mean, obviously it makes sense for the series that we're doing to, have Craig be the one where we watched all of the movies. But like in hindsight, it's kind of strange because I just feel like the, the disparity in quality is so stark between his movies more so than any of the other act. Like if we had watched Roger Moore, all of the Roger Moore movies or all the Connery movies, there aren't, I mean, there, yeah, sure. There are ones where people would say this is the best and this is the worst, but it's not like there are just outright bad movies or outright like amazing movies. They're all just kind of on the same level quality wise or close to the same level. Whereas with these movies, you have possibly the number one and number two best bond movies that are, are Craig movies. And you also have the two worst movies that we've watched in this series, in my opinion, in my opinion. 
not the not the worst movies overall, probably. I mean, probably again, if we had watched one of the late period Brosnan or Moore movies, then that might take the cake. But I, I mean, the I have I I didn't enjoy Quantum of Solace, and strangely enough, I think I enjoyed this movie even less. Um, so Spectre. Uh, let's well, talk about. I, I, I do. Look, I haven't seen all the Bond. I haven't seen all the Bond movies, but I do think that there are some wildly varying Connery quality Bond movies, from what I understand. Like, there's some really out there Connery ones, right? Also, weren't the last two more ones supposed to be just like absolute? The last two, yeah. The last two more ones are the ones like. The last two more ones and the last two Brosnan ones are the ones that people think are really, really bad. Uh, the Connery ones, not to my knowledge. Isn't, um, isn't Thunderball or like? No, I think people like Thunderball. Like, I, I again, I don't know that people love like You Only Live, Live Twice or Diamonds Are Forever. Like, I don't know if anybody loves those movies, but I don't think anyone really thinks they're terrible. I think they're just like very mid Bond movies, like from my understanding. Um, I think the critical consensus around those is lower than... I have any of Craig's Bond movies. I'm just well, talking Craig. I think it, just talking Craig. I think it's weird to evaluate the critical consensus on a movie from 1960 something uh, because there probably aren't we as have, many we have reviews the out there for it. But there probably That's aren't right. as, as many reviews out there for it, though, is what I'm saying. But uh, the unimportant topic. Uh, let's you said talk Craig about had Daniel. two of the worst Bond movies. Scott Shelton got really. Yeah, had that, to stick up for his guy. I shrug. I think all of Craig's Bond movies are above average for Bond. And this is what I'm saying. This is what I've been saying all along in the series. It depends yeah. on what you want in a Bond, right? Like, I personally think Connery is the best Bond. I'll, I'll say it. Like, he's my favorite Bond, at least. So maybe that's why I'm saying what I'm saying about the Craig Bond movie. I mean, the Connery Bond mm -hmm. movies. I haven't seen the, some of those in a long time. But um, ultimately, if your Daniel Craig is your favorite Bond, which it clearly is for Scott, you're yeah. not going to think any of these are the worst movies. Like, even if it's the worst Craig movie, you're not going to think it's the worst movie because at least it has Daniel Craig in it. And that's that's fair. That's just, again, something that I think I've, we've realized over the course of this series is how subjective it is and how dependent, you know, your perception of these movies are mm -hmm. is on what your perception of a good Bond is. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, of course, I think, Craig is very good as Bond. I think, like I said before, I think this character is probably the best, the most mm -hmm. fully fleshed out Bond character that we see, um, you know, of, of any of the iterations. But if we're talking about what do, who do I see as the quintessential Bond and all of the elements, I, I, it's still Connery for me, but, you know. I, I guess I'm confused what you mean by all of the elements. That it seems like we're all in agreement that there's zero emotional stakes in any like basically zero emotional stakes in most Bond movies pre Craig, so like I don't. Yeah, but I, when you I don't say know holistically, that I, I don't know what that means. I see that more as a quality of the movie itself than as mm -hmm. like the character. Like for for Bond, I think you have to have like the suaveness. I think you have to have the humor, the wit. I think you have to not take yourself too seriously. Of course, I think you have to have the physical, you know, acumen to, yeah you know, perform the stunts and everything. And I think Craig for me, and I mean, this can transition us into talking about Craig. I think, you know, he is missing some of that, especially in this movie. Like I said, I think he, he's boring. I think his performance is boring. I think he seems bored making this movie. I don't know that he has the lighter side to his character that um, I like to see in a bond. Like, I don't think he has that sort of cheeky, like, um, 
you know, smirking quips and stuff like that, like you see in um, in the Connery movies. And again, maybe you don't think that is an essential element to Bond. And if you don't, then that's fine. Craig can yeah. be your guy. Uh, but yeah, it's you like, know, it, it definitely is, is like me. a different kind of charisma or whatever, right? Like, yeah, Craig's charisma and Brosnan's charisma and certainly Connery's charisma are different things. And that's why it's an interesting franchise to talk about because, yeah. you know, even though the movies are whatever, a lot of them. Daniel Craig, fourth outing as Bond. Uh, it's his penultimate outing as Bond. Um, I've sort of <laughs> let on what my thoughts are about his performance. Uh, Jay, um, what do you think about uh, Daniel Craig in this movie uh, and, you know, how he's sort of finishing out his arc as Bond? I mean, I still like him. Um, I, I still really like Craig in the role. And again, I'm sure when we do our wrap-up episode, we'll talk about like what makes a good Bond and you know, what we like versus what fits that stereotype more or whatever. But like, I still really like him. You know, he might've been in, fo- he might've been phoning it a little bit more uh, in this one, but truthfully, it wasn't something I'd given too much thought to while I was watching it. Um, again, it really just felt like more a product of like the writing and like the movie. Um, you know, I-, I can still think of like a few moments of his, I'll just point out one. It's when he meets uh, Madeline Swan and, he's answering those like questions about what he does for a living. And he's like, I kill people except he says it much more coolly than I did. Um, I kill people, small world or whatever. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, it was it just, he just delivered that. I don't know. Something about Let's that. Run it back, super, Jake. Can like, you do that one more time for, for a no. third take there? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's a good thing. We're not doing like a Batman recap or something. Let me try to do that voice. <laughs> oh, um, or Bane like last time. No, but so I don't know. I still like Craig like in the role, right? Like, I can think the movie's bad and still be like, he's pretty good. Um, just to use another bond. Like I didn't like love from Russia with love. Right. But I still thought Connery like had all this suave, the swagger, et cetera. Um, just to like make that comparison. So yeah, like, you know, it. I'm still like very much on board with this iteration of bond. Again, I think they just did things, uh, you know, him seeing, I can't remember, it was like a tape or a file, whatever, like a Vespers in Lamarican was like, oh, okay, this again. Like, I thought we, like, moved past this, you know, and it felt like they were just, again, throwing that in there for more, like, remember all that other stuff, you know, like, this is all related. And it was still just like, okay, like. Well, he was you know. searching the, like, apartment of Mr. White, who was integral to killing Vespers. I, I don't think that mm-hmm. that's that crazy personally, but and it's not about it being crazy, right? Like it, 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 like it can be like that part can be like believable more so than like Blofeld's entire character background. But like, that doesn't mean it's still just not like, yeah. I don't know, slightly annoying or just like, Oh, like we didn't need that. You know, like it didn't do anything for me other than just be like, Oh, remember that movie that you really yeah. loved? Remember that's that right. bond girl you really loved? Think about her while we're giving like money, punny, nothing to do in this movie. And Nick and oh, Madeline yeah, Swan do like a 180, you know, halfway through meeting Bond, the way we used to do with all the old Bond girls. And again, we'll get we'll get around to that. But I'm already tipping. I've already tipped my hand twice on this. Like, I thought, you know, the, the girls were like a, a bad aspect of like what they did with them was a bad aspect of this movie. So again, I think a lot of things happening around Craig yeah. are like not great. But well, I still I, I, really like Craig. I'm not saying this is a positive or a negative, but I think something that I've was just been thinking about since Scott talked about how much he seemed to enjoy this movie the first time he saw it is that I wonder if the Bond movies are just simply not made to be watched back to back to back. And when you have this distance between movies, right? Like 
there was what four years between Spectre, five or three, three or four years between Spectre and Skyfall. There's four years between Skyfall and Quantum of Solace. You know, these these movies do get repetitive in some of their nature, and you do get these reminders of things from past movies. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, we just saw this. Like, we don't need to see this again. A little. Like, I mean, like, I remember liking License to Kill a lot. We watched that after, like, a pretty sizable break, right? But, like, Casino Royale was, like, I, am I getting that right? I'm pretty sure License to Kill was after we took a little break. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that, you know, that I remember liking more. But then, like, Casino Royale, which, again, like, might be my favorite, was, like, the third in the one we watched. And Skyfall, which I also really liked, was, like, fifth, you know? So it's, like, I, well, I, I still like, think that there's can... a wide quality in the movies. There, there, is a bre- there is a breadth of quality explored in the movies so the point that like i'm hammering it harder because it's later on like i wouldn't necessarily hammer yeah. it as hard if well, let's just put it this way if we just watch specter no other like other bond movies watched before this we probably wouldn't be complaining about some of the things we're complaining. i'm not saying i'm not, not saying some that's of the things sure like, but that's also why we're doing like, a countdown right like we're, we're comparing these movies this is very much like i'm just making that. a point about why scott enjoyed it the first time i'm, I'm not trying to like counter or anything that, that you're saying i'm just saying like scott probably liked this movie the first time for example and i think some of the things that you're saying speaks to this as well is like we're seeing the same like a lot of these same things being explored over and over again we're watching these movies like week weekend like multiple weeks in a row watching these movies and i just think these movies might be better enjoyed years apart rather than days apart. And that's just an observation, I think, coming off of what like Scott was saying about how he enjoyed this movie the first time. I mean, sure, maybe he needed, Maybe we just needed to watch these in London. Although I watched Rise of Skywalker in London, and that did not uh, well, get not saved by British, though. That movie's not inherently yeah, uh, British. But... I'm not going to oh, well, say I couldn't that, go but... watch it in a galaxy far, far away, Scott, so... You didn't try hard I, enough. I'm not going to... And I don't. I don't want to make it sound like I loved it the first time. Like I did. I liked it, but uh, I'm just saying you liked it more the first time. You liked I, it. More. I definitely did. I, I certainly liked it more more that time. Yeah, and I don't discount that. That is a factor for sure. I still don't think this movie is very good for other sure. reasons. But and that's why I think that there uh, still is a clear variance in quality in the films. Yeah. But I wonder if some of the things that we're talking about are enhanced by the close proximity with which we're watching a bunch of these movies in a row, which is not certainly a positive possible. or a negative, just an observation. Yeah. Anything else you want to add on Craig, Scott? Yeah, I guess I didn't haven't really said anything on Craig. I, I mean, like he's still my favorite Bond. Um, maybe if I watched more Connery movies, maybe if I watched, probably not if I watched more Roger Moore movies. Um, maybe if I watched the other Timothy Dalton movie, maybe I'd it'd be more competitive. But I do think that Craig sort of has it on, and I think a lot of that is around the physicality of the performance, um, and adding that to the equation with what I think he brings also in the, to what he brings in like the traditional bond department. I do think his charisma and his suave is different than the charisma and suave you see from pretty much every other bond that we've looked at in the countdown. I don't want to speak for George Lazenby because I haven't seen his bond movie. Um, but I do really like Craig and, and I know that there, it's not that there wasn't physicality in the performances before. I mean, and anyway, Pierce Brosnan was, I mean, the one movie we watched of his very physical performance. I thought, a lot of stunt work going on there, it seemed like. But some, but like even Connery, right? Like I don't think there's much physicality in what Connery is doing as Bond. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that, that adding that in for me and really transitioning into what I think is a, you know, a bona fide action franchise as well as being a spy franchise tips it over the line for me with Craig. And I think that, you know, I think tired. I, I do like that description of Scott of what I feel like Craig 
the point Craig probably gets to in, in this filming this movie. And I think it's one of the reasons why he wanted to move on from playing Bond, but I'm sure they're just paying him so, so much goddamn money to be in no time to die. I mean, I think he wanted to leave Bond after Skyfall, to be frank, and then he made another movie and then there was a break and they got him back for like this one final movie with no time to die. And I just think that he, he looks very tired of playing Bond by, by the end of this film. Um, I think that they, he still brings a lot to the role. I think between Mexico, I do think from like Mexico city to Rome, like the car chase in Rome and being in this sort of big boardroom in Rome to being in Austria, interacting with Leia Sadu's character. I said Switzerland earlier, but it's Austria. Um, I, I do think that he's bringing quite a bit, but everything again, like everything after that, it really feels like it goes downhill. And I think you see that in Craig as well. You can call that phony in or not. I just think there's not a lot to work with in the second half of this movie. I'm not sure giving a hundred percent to the performance. If we do want to say that he gave less than a hundred percent to it would have really made much of a difference. That's not a reason to not to, that's not a reason to phone it in. Um, and I'm not completely decided whether I think he did or not. I think I'm kind of in Jay's department where I was so distracted by just like how boring everything else was that I wasn't even noticing really whether Craig was dialing it down or up or however you want to say it. But overall, I still think the performance is solid. He's like probably from a non-technical side of things. He's probably the best thing about this movie still, which maybe isn't a very high bar, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I still, I still appreciate the performance a lot. And I think it does go in concert with the rest of the Craig films, the through line ends in a place that isn't very interesting. As we talked about ad nauseum already about how boring the sort of culmination of this, you know, Oberhauer specter arc is. Um, but the fact that they're still trying to, to connect it, I do give them a little bit of credit there. I just don't, it, they just do it so poorly. Um, it's executed so poorly that it sort of erases the goodwill of trying to complete the arc that Craig is going on. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like the rest of the movie is so blah that I wanted him to try and elevate it. Right. Because I know that he can, but it just felt like he was just content to just sort of exist on the same plane as everyone and everything else in the movie, which is, you know, not a good place to be. So, I mean, also was, maybe what he was, was asked to do. Issue ultimately. Yeah. And maybe it was sure. a Sam Mendes problem. Uh, I mean, look, Sam Mendes so. didn't want to make a second Bond movie. I mean, yeah. to be really frank, like he didn't want to make a second Bond movie. Um, but he did. What, we yeah, what we're, what we're hearing in all of this is nobody involved in this movie really wanted to be in the movie. Or it's also really easy to, to say that. It's and also really easy to go into interviews and say that after a movie yeah. is like kind of panned a little bit and be like, yeah, well, I didn't really want to make this movie anyway. But I do think that that re is reflective in the movie is what I'm saying. Like, I think yeah, it could be. that is kind of the way that it comes off as everyone is just kind of going through the motions. Um yeah, I, I do wonder though, because I, you know, I wonder if who who wrote this this movie. It was is it the yeah John Logan, Neil Purvis, Robert Wade. I kind of just put like a lot of the blame on them. Like it just, I mean, I don't know who made this. I don't know if, who did the story versus the screenplay and whatnot in the of that trio. But like, it's a bad story. So it's like ultimately, it's a really bad story, and it's not written well for the screen. It's not nearly as compelling as. I don't know if they also did Skyfall. I imagine they probably did. I like they, so. they just could not recreate that. What it, you know, if you want to call it magic, 
movie magic in there. They just they didn't they didn't put it together for this. It makes me concerned that I mean they're probably <laughs> they're probably writing writing No Time to Die. I'm just curious enough to look now. Probably shouldn't. But yeah, I I do. I well, do I don't, maybe not because it's not Sam Mendes anymore. So I mean, well, I don't think it was a Sam. I mean, I don't think that Sam Mendes is like writing buddies though. Maybe I think, um, a, I think it's a broccoli thing. Bond girl wise, uh, we have you know Money Penny returning Naomi Harris. To Jay's point, I do think uh, she's very underused here. We also have there Leia Seydoux. At- oh, sorry, no, just there was one scene where I think she just stands there while they're all like talking and then <laughs> angrily just stares. I think it was C, right, while they like walk away. Like she doesn't see, say a word, and that's then just acting. like that's acting for and, you. Jay. And this out. is what like, I did. <laughs> And this is what I was pointing out. I didn't like in Skyfall how they just like completely sort of neutered her character from like, oh no, never mind. I don't actually want to be a field agent. And now it just feels like, well, the inevitable, you know, conclusion of that is what we see here. Um, and then we have Leia Sedu as uh, Madeline Swan, the daughter of Mister White. Um, we do, of course, know that she is going to be returning in No Time yeah. to Die. So truly shook that this person that that she is returning. For no time to die, I just like can barely fathom why. <laughs> why? Yeah, I just want to say I found it crazy and pretty dumb that in that torture scene, Blofeld just lets her walk right up to him. Like she she goes right up to him. She's like making out with him or whatever. And of course, you know that's when they like pass off the little device, and that's you know what triggers the whole escape. I'm like, how dumb are you, man? Like you know that she was trying to help him. Like, how are you just going to let her walk right up to him and, you know, slip him? He's just like chilling over at his computer doing who knows what, like it, it's, it, I was just rolling my eyes so hard. Just that stupid. Scene. They are, but like, again, we're talking about, he is supposed to be like the big bad, right? Like the, the, the Ultimate super bad. genius who has yeah. master, who has masterminded this whole thing. And he's doing stupid stuff like that. Like, Nah, fam. Um, that, that's kind of how I feel about that. But anyway, uh, any thoughts on the Bond girls here other than that they don't leave much of an impact by the design of the screenwriters? Uh, Scott? Uh, did you even mention the name of Monica Bellucci? When oh, right. Monica right Bellucci, there? yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean uh, Naomi another, Harris another, isn't, isn't a Bond girl in this movie. I mean, she I wasn't even another, either like, in the last one. Question. But questionable character like the whole I shouldn't have brought like, it up he kills her husband like he kills her husband in the first scene and then it's just like she she figures it out like right off the bat and then they're just like sleeping together in the next scene well they're both dying soon so you know yeah and the whole very bond of them you know and the whole moment when he and and madeline swan sleep together for the first time was just like so ridiculous i can't i After honestly they, i I cannot talk about Lamarican. I just can't do it. I can't. I can't talk about do it. That. I'll do it. She like magically like materializes a nighty after falling asleep in like normal clothes, and then like finds mm-hmm. her normal clothes again later. And then when they get on the train, all of it, and you know, it's basically shade of him. All everything in everything before the train. Remember the time when she was pissed off, like you led them right to me. And then she shows up on the train, and she's like, "Oh, let's not order these. They make me get freaky or frisky or whatever." She said, and shows up in this like. Where'd she so get then that? After dress? they killed Dave Bautista, it's yeah. like instantly, like they're just. Well, like Scott, have you ever had a light, like a, a near death experience with the woman who you then killed the man who almost killed you? I mean, come on, you know how those things end. 
If that happens that, to you in that, real life, that, if you're not sleeping with her after, you're messing up. I guess that's true. I've never been there before, so who am I? To, who am I to talk? But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's uh, happened to Sam Mendes a lot, so I'm sure he's got a lot of experience. Anything else worth saying about these Bond girls? Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even really comment on them. Uh, Monica Bellucci, bad. Uh, Leia Sedu, bad. Um, Ana de Armas, good. Question Remains mark. To be seen. Remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. That's Jay, all any other thoughts? <laughs> no, I've, I've said my piece. All right. Uh, Blofeld uh, is, you know, your big bad here. I think we've already shared some of our thoughts on him. But this, of course, is, you know, uh, sort of iconic Bond villain. He, we haven't seen him pop up in any of the movies that we watched so far. But um, yeah, Donald yeah. Pleasant. Yeah, he was in really early on. From Russia with Love. Yeah. Okay. Donald Pleasance would later play Blofeld. And kind of, he was kind of the one who you know, made the role iconic. That's right. He wasn't from Russia with love. I don't know. You'd be forgiven for forgetting it, given how confusing yeah, from Russia with love is, but, um, but, uh, you know, they, they decide to bring the character back here again. This has kind of a tr- been a trend in these, mo- in these, you know, bond movies where they're going to kind of reintroduce the whole tropes and give them kind of an origin story and all that jazz. Um, but the origin story here is just not very satisfying. Uh, they decide to make him like Bond's brother of sort again. He, his dad basically adopted brother adopted uh, adopted Bond at a young age after Bond's parents died, and then you know this has led to this decades long jealousy basically from. Well, he killed his dad. That, he then killed his dad. Yes. Um, but yeah, this decade long sort of harboring this jealousy of Bond because his, his dad, you know, had more positive feelings towards his adopted brother, which just feels like such, it just feels so like silly and petty, honestly, for again, yeah, this is like the big bad, the big, the big terrorist at the end of the, didn't get enough attention as a kid line. And what, yeah, what is his complaint is that. Oh, daddy didn't love him as much as as he loved his brother. Like, yeah, really? I, I will say that one fun thing I think that I did appreciate. And I think, Jay, you, you mentioned this to me the other day, too, when we were talking about Spectre, is that they like they have like the picture cut where it makes it look like it's the mom that's missing. But it's it's Blofeld that's missing from the picture. Just that's clever. I thought that was clever, but yeah, forget I get everything else about the reveal. You know, Scott doesn't yeah. even remember that part. <laughs> it's just like and Christoph Waltz, you know, he's like he can play such eccentric villains. I think that's part of the problem, too. Like with, you know, he, he plays such he eccentric characters in, in general. I mean, he played one of the greatest villains of all time, in my opinion, in, in Colonel Hans Landa and Inglorious Bastards. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. When you know he can cut loose like that, too, and do something that is, you know, so original and off the wall. When you see this kind of performance, it's like, what exactly went wrong here? Because, again, I, I think he's on the same level as everyone else, which is not, not a good level to be on, I think. Uh, everyone here is coming off very bored. And this is not, you know, you don't want your Blowfield reveal again with an Academy two-time Academy award winning actor playing this role. You don't want him to come off as a villain on par with like Matthew Amelrick's guy from quantum of solace, which honestly, like that was kind of what happened. I had more fun with Matthew Amelrick and quantum of solace than I had with Blofeld. Is that that hot of a take? 
It's not a hot take. It's just a sad thing to hear out loud. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking back on it, like... At least he hits himself with an axe. He axes himself with a foot. Lashifer, even though he's, even though I don't think he's like as incredible as everyone says, Lashifer probably was like the best villain of the Craig cycle for sure. Like, because again, I have my problems with Raul Silva as well that we kind of talked about last week. But sure, um, well, these movies haven't been about the villains. This movie's been about Craig. Um, anything we want to say about the theme song here? Sam Smith, uh, writings on the wall. I believe this one did actually win the Oscar um, for best original song. Banger or not? Nah. Just kind of weird. I'll it's be honest. Just... I liked this more than I expected to. I enjoyed. I enjoyed writing on the wall. I. I don't know if it fits as a as a Bond. I don't know if it works so well as the Bond, and I don't think the intro for this one with the whole music and the animation, whatever, works that well. But I kind of like the song more than I remembered. I feel like I kind of took a pot shot at it last week when I made a joke about it, Sam Smith. Well, Being part honest. of it, part of it for me was the opening. Like I hadn't heard it before watching it with the opening credits, and like I didn't think the animation in it worked very well. So like, yeah. again, not knowing what they were gonna do with Spectre, like seeing them rehash all the old Bond movies, like you know, it was basically like a previously on Bond. Like remember all these people, and again, it was like, I'm not really sure why we're doing this. The style was weird, and it's been so a decade it, since Casino Royale, man. It's been a long time. Pay attention. Watch these movies back to back to back before you watch the next one. Yeah, I think they're probably actually recommending that you don't do that because you might not want to go see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about it. I feel pretty similarly about it that I, I figured as much. Yeah, Skyfall. I mean, because Adele and Sam Smith are such similar artists. Where, like, again, their voice, great, sure, you can't really find much fault with it. But like, the actual song and music and what they actually bring to the songs. What well, I think the cool. I do think the vocal flair of this one is a little bit more interesting than what Adele more was so doing. than Skyfall actually yeah. I, I think I actually would agree with that but you know again I would not consider this or Skyfall to be in the upper tier of Bond songs again the best Bond song from this cycle to me is Chris Cornell's song in Casino Royale like I think yeah. that's pretty clear for me at least what was the name of that song um, I forget the name what was the name you of the song? know my you know you my know. name yeah that, that, that is a really Chris good one. song that is a really good one. But these are the only two that have won the Oscar, I believe. Like, well, we got Billy Eilish coming. Fact check me on that, but yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, that's that's going to be a weird thing because like, it released last year. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. think I guess it's still eligible, but for the Oscar, probably not for the Grammy. It's not like the Grammy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Confirming that these two are the only ones to win the Oscar, and "Writings on the Wall" okay. was the first Bond theme to reach number one on the UK music charts. I, I think it's, a, I mean, I enjoy the song quite a bit. Um, honestly, I don't know That's if it works. Sam Smith was like the biggest thing in the world too. Like, so. Yeah, that was right after his first album. Um, their first album? I don't, I don't remember what pronouns. Not, not sure. Anyway. Anyway, on that note, um, anything, I mean, I, I'm almost bored of talking about the movie at this point as much as I was uh, watching it. Uh Anything else we want to add about, you know, the action scenes, the plot, the other things we would normally talk about in this portion of the review? Um, because I feel like I've said what I, I needed to say. The opening is very good. It's a classic, you know, Sam Mendes action scene with long take, uh, several long takes. You know, the Day of the Dead, just like the chaos of that, I think, is a great setting for an action scene. And then the rest of the movie also exists. 
That oneer is uh, is good. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Uh, anything y'all want to add? Sam Smith uses they pronouns. Just confirming. Thank you. We've done a lot of confirming on this. Yeah, episode. you know, I'm, still, I'm feeling inspired to confirm. It was a very pretty. Okay. Movie. There, the, the, there was that when he's saying goodbye to Madeline, and he switched to like that really wide shot. Like, oh, look, we're doing something here. Um, no, yeah. Again, visually, you know, he's obviously got a talent, and like, you know, I don't think anyone here is disputing that. It's just, you know, again, I, I, what we were working with, everything around it, or everything in it, I guess, in this case, you know, still just made it kind of tough. Did any part of the whole interagency thing work for you guys, like with MI5? And then, of course, ultimately, Andrew Scott being revealed as like a villain in the end. Again, kind of yeah, predictable. can see it a mile away. Uh, yeah. I, so I think on premise, it's not a bad one. Like, it really isn't. In fact, I think in some, in some ways, it's actually probably more interesting than like random man with warheads has, I don't know threatens threatens the world i'm not sure like I, I do think that like sort of the the interagency spin i think actually fits in as a premise pretty well with a lot of what we're seeing in the craig movies right like i've talked over and over about how a lot of these craig movies is like showing that like bond sort of fails his way through a lot of things and he succeeds in like maybe the biggest moments but he fails through a lot of stuff too or he has like half successes where like he does defeat silva but m does die as well like these these are sort of half victories that he's facing and so like the culmination of this like you know i don't know like parliamentary accountability for his failures i think on premise actually fits in with that narrative arc that we're talking about but again it is not it it is just not done well at all it is like it is not executed on in a way that is satisfying or feels like it's it's well yeah. developed or fleshed out, and it, and it and it ends up being a disappointment for that reason. There's nothing satisfying about that last act again. Like the the yeah, action that. isn't isn't that cool. And then like you know again, Blofeld his in uh, he gets arrested. Like they can't kill him because he's got to come back in this one. And <laughs> so it's you know it's just like we don't even get like a funny death like in Live and Let Die when the guy pops or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously that would have seemed very out of place in a Craig movie, but still, like, you know, would have been fun to see something like that. Maybe we'll get it in no time to die with two hours and 45 minutes of movie. I would certainly hope so. Um, why, why would you hope so? Don't do that to yourself. Because there's there's enough time for them to do it. But uh, honestly, uh, yeah, they should spend whatever time that they would doing what you're talking about, Scott, just having Ana de Armas in a dress in heels, kicking more people and shooting more guns. Honest to God we'll talk a little bit more about sort of our hopes expectations and whatnot for no time to die on our recap episode for this series um but now i think we can probably move into the wrap-up for specter um, scott's like please put me out of my misery this it's the conversation i think has officially fizzled out just like the movie did um Jay, uh, your favorite scene or moment for Spectre? Oh, thank God I got to go first. The opening scene, right? Easiest one. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Pick Not a moment, easy. Jay. What's what's the moment in the opening scene you liked the most? Be interesting. Don't be lazy. Like this oh. movie. Well, if I'm gonna pick a specific moment, moment, yeah. moment. Oh, moment. I mean, then then I'll, I'll say like Judy Dench coming back, just because oh. like again, I actually liked the the premise of like yeah. like I know we've seen this like played out in terms of like Bond having to go 
you know, rogue or whatever. But like, I, I did like that it came from M. This element of like she trusted him with this thing. I mean, you know, you could look at it and be like, oh, this is sufficiently vague and not at all helpful. M. But like, you know, it's still a. Uh, I don't know. That was that was a welcome surprise for me. Like, I didn't know she was gonna be in the movie. I was like, we've moved on, and then she just pops up. Yeah. Well, and and I will say, I think a lot of the movies, I think that did occur to me as I was watching this, a lot of the movies problems with like not having that emotional resonance. I think the movie missed Judy Dench. Like, I think she provided a lot, certainly in Skyfall, but even, you know, going back to Casino Royale, I think she was a very important piece of that puzzle. And she's obviously not around anymore. So I think I'm yeah. just going to go watch Casino Royale like this weekend. Like, I think I just need to palate cleanse a little bit. Do it, man. Nothing wrong I with that. think I will. I I will say on a similar note that talking about that, I, I think that they're really going to try to capture that, like try to fill that void of Judy and Shazam with Jeffrey Wright in No Time to Die. Like I, I don't know how much he's going to be in the movie, but he a thousand percent like that is what they're trying to capture. I think putting him like reintroducing him back in. Yeah. They're trying to get like that yeah, personal relationship. Right, Cause I'm worried he's just going to get a scene at the bar where he basically gives him a vague this is what's going on. Well, I mean, well, I mean, have again, you seen the trailer? Or it's like, or it's like <laughs> no, yeah, and that's what happens, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like Quantum of Solace where he's just like randomly hanging out at the party. Well, that, or that's whatever. what I, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, yeah. His scene like, in the bar is you can't tell your friends from your enemies. Undone. Yeah. I mean, that's the full mood of Jeffrey Wright that we all need in our lives, though. Uh, Scott, your favorite scene or moment from this movie. Yeah, well, I was mainly asking Jay to pick a particular scene within the Mexico City scene because I would I was going to talk about a particular moment as well. It is the Me it is Mexico City. I mean, honestly, I think look, I'm sure there are people out there who like other parts of the movie more. I just think that they're they're wildin' for liking other parts of the movie more. Um, I do think that there's this like really cool moment towards the end of the of the scene before like the action really kicks in. Um, before before he puts together his like gun from a pin. I don't even know where he got all the parts of that gun from, uh, but. I do think that it was really cool to then like basically pan out as he walks out of the window and to the girl that he was with and said, I'll be right back. And he's like, you see the it pull out and it's this massive scenic shot of where they started on the street, like the parade that walked by them and then bond, like walking across the roof is like, Oh, that is, a, that is a shot right there. Hashtag one perfect shot. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. Yeah, I don't have much to add. Uh, I talked about, you know, that shot that I really like during the train scene. I think Dave Bautista's death is all right as well. Like, I think it's a rare moment of inspiration that kind of felt like an old Bond movie in a way. Uh, but also, like, the whole thing. Like, we've seen train scenes before. Like, let's go back to the very first movie that we watched from Russia with Love. Has that train fight scene between Red Grant and Bond. So, like, just we're, we're reaching a point of... What, what do you want them to, I'm curious, Scott. Like, what do you, where do you want them to fight? If a blimp, I mean, I think the, the, the time has passed for that. That would be inspired, though. I'll give you that. Bond, like, bond on the Hindenburg. Spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just trying to make Last Crusade again. Basically. Uh, I, I don't know, but again, it just feels, I think when you, when it's a movie that is already this sort of feels this unoriginal and again, going through the motions when you also throw in a fight scene on a type of transportation that we've seen many, many times in these movies. But I would say that's me. more original than just like, I don't know, like fighting on a roof or something, which they also do in this movie. I, like, yeah. Okay. Sure. We've seen trains once, twice, three times in this countdown, but like that seems 
Yeah, what's it's because we don't encounter movie? trains that much in our daily life. What's the fourth? Which one am I missing? Brosnan, Brosnan had one. Moore had one, and Connery had one. Does he fight more? Doesn't he one? fight Jaws? More? He yeah. He he fights the guy with the arm, oh, and afterwards right. he goes, "Just disarming, darling." Oh, and then like, die. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I take it back. Never mind. <laughs> you have to take it back. Like that I get what you're better, saying. Fighting on a roof like isn't original, movie. right? But like it again, it again. It, the problem wasn't that it was on a train itself, right? The problem is that like we're on a train, and all of a sudden Madeline Swan wants to get frisky, like. What, yeah, what are you supposed to do on a train other than get frisky, Jay? You're not just going to look outside at nighttime. You can't Murdering see the scenery. Murdering Dave Bautista is the ultimate aphrodisiac. I, guess. I well, found look, him as well, Oddjob Jr. for a solid portion of this movie. Just because that's fair. He, was he, he, could play, like, he could totally play like, had, the modern day Oddjob. Right? Like, I, I, under, under that's about you. how many lines Oddjob had. Right? Like It, it, it kind of worked in a weird way. Oddjob didn't speak in the whole movie, I'm pretty sure. It's one He's line mute. With... Isn't that like the whole character? Yeah. He can't speak? Yeah, he can't speak. Well, he, Batista's he one really line was, but... shit, as he died. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. This is PG-13, uh, right? They could have used their F-bomb there. Messed up. No, they didn't. They couldn't because... Oh, no. They used I, I was it, thinking, didn't they? I, was thinking I know. I'm saying they could have used it there instead. They yeah. used it in Skyfall. I was thinking of a different movie because I, I was watching Star Trek. Which Star Trek was I watching? One of them the other day, and they used the <laughs> Beastie Boys song. They were using they used the Beastie Boys song Sabotage, which has an F bomb in it, and they don't believe the F bomb, even though it's a PG thirty. So I was like, well, is they just Trek, used is their it not F-bomb. into darkness. I think it might be the first one. It could be into darkness, though. I just watched both of them, so I don't know. But um all right, let's put a score on this movie. Uh Jay, what do you give Spectre out of ten? Yeah, I mean sad sad to, you know, kind of end on a, a negative note but you know there's still time to redeem with no time to die uh this one gets a 5.2 scott 6.4 4.0 from me which would be a good grade point average but it's not a good uh good average for this movie um i'll be honest it's my least favorite one that we watched for the series i was not expecting that um but i you know would you say I it's the worst like... movie or just your least favorite just out of curiosity Poss- we can also talk about this next week Possibly both. I'd have to think on it, but possibly both. But um, again, because even the technicals, which is the stuff that's well produced, just like I feel nothing watching them. Um, which is it's Star Trek Beyond, by the way. Big thing. Well, no, it's also used in another one because I haven't watched Star Trek no. Beyond yet, so that couldn't be that. Interesting. Um, I, I think it's sabotage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But apparently, they use sabotage uh, by the Beastie Boys in in Star Trek Beyond, so maybe it's a recurring theme. Yeah, maybe it was a Rage Against the Machine song. I don't know. But anyway, they used their F-bomb in a song right there. Fascinating stuff, I know. But uh, <laughs> All right, that will do it for this episode of the Bond Countdown, and we'll conclude our countdown reviews, at least, for the series. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this series and this episode of the podcast. If you have, don't forget to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash pods. Support us over there if you can. If not, rate, review, subscribe, like, do all of the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. Don't forget about some Like It Scott right here in this very same feed. Um, we have our Shang-Chi episode, which will actually, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but our Shang-Chi episode will be out by the time this comes out. De- for sure. Definitely. The uh, Shang-Chi episode will definitely be out by the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah, nobody will be talking about Shang-Chi anymore. The Eternals will probably be about to come out, to be honest. <laughs> but, no. The fact that you didn't just say Venom 2 is... I'm just kidding. I can't even compare that to Eternals. There will on. be Carnage. There will be Carnage. Are we sure? By the time this Movies comes are out. being delayed. I, I 
No, definitely not, because Venom's coming out in mid after no yeah, Time v- to Die. Venom already got delayed, but yeah. Yeah, Venom's um, coming out in mid-October now. But anyway, we're reviewing new movies if they're still coming out when this <laughs> gets released. Uh, so check that out over on Some Like It, Scott. Uh, and uh, don't forget to come back for our recap episode of the Bond series, and we'll talk about you know our favorites and least favorites from this series. Um, that'll be out next week. But until then, for Scott Shelton and Jay Habib, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you next time.